Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. Being in the belly of a great fish deep down in the sea was like being buried alive in a grave. In verses 1 and 2 and verse 7, Jonah's distress caused him to cry out to God in prayer four times. You cannot get so low and deep into your troubles that you cannot cry out to God in the midst of your despair. And the Lord will help when you humble yourself and cry out to almighty God. Jonah prayed. Let me tell you something. When you go through the storms of life, the adversities of life, the trials of life, listen, it's, it's time to pray. As a matter of fact, if you're praying before the storm, you, you, you're, you're more prepared in the storm. Most people collapse in the storm because they weren't praying before the storm. Verse 2 says, 2b says, and he answered me. He answered me, God heard my prayer. Jonah Jonah experienced the mercy of God in that his prayers were answered. Beloved, it's a terrible thing to be in a crisis and God refuses to answer your prayers. Your rebellion can be so bad or you can be so hard a stiff neck until God says, you know what, I hear, but I'm not going to answer prayer. But, But he has mercy on Jonah and, and he answers his prayers. Uh, number five, it says oh, how, how, how to get through the storms and why do they uh, come into our lives. Be mindful while you are in a storm. Let me see how many of you, have any of you ever been in a storm, a trial, a crisis beyond your control? Let me see your hands. Well, now, now if you haven't, you just keep saying good morning. Uh, you, you come, you, you just, you, you, you. One is on the way, so this is preparing you for what? You say, what? You don't know where life will find you. And don't be so quick to sit in the judgment seat on others because you don't know what's coming your way. Be mindful while you are in the storm. God is always in complete control. God never loses control. And God never scratches his head saying, what am I going to do with this case? He is always in absolute, complete control. You say, let me show you how uh, this, this is. Let me give you an example. Verse 15 says, so, so the crewmen, they picked up Jonah. I don't know how much he weighed, but, if he, but, but he was the problem. So they picked him up and they threw him into the sea, into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Look at that. Beloved, your attitude in the storm often determines just how long your storm will be. Your attitude. 
I mean, when you have an attitude of gratitude and you have an attitude of trusting God, depending on God, even when you don't understand what's going on, even you don't know how it's going to work out, you know that your God is able and he hasn't brought you this far to leave you. Your attitude is what blesses God and, and perhaps even shorten the storm. God prepared, listen, God prepared a great storm. It was God who prepared that storm. God allowed the storm to fulfill its purpose to get Jonah off that ship. See, I want him off the ship. Blowing. <laughs> Blow. <laughs> that way, shh. You know, in, in, this, in this whole book, everything obeys God except Jonah. Everything obeys God except Jonah. The wind obeys God. The, the, the big fish parks by the boat and ready to gulp him up, you know. And then, and then the tree, later on we're going to talk about it. It obeys God and creates everything. The worm came and did his thing. And God moved. Everything that was moving in those four chapters was obeying God. And here we are, the crown of God's creation. Here we are made in the image of God, God's own children. And we struggle just to do what God says do. Beloved, your attitude in the storm often determines just how long your storm will be. God prepared a great storm. God allowed the storm to fulfill its purpose. And God knew exactly when the storm would end, when to end it, which reinforces the fact that God is always in control no matter how dismal things may appear. God is in control. And that, that's, that's your reassurance. That, that, that's your hope. That's your help. That, that, that gives you peace. That gives you comfort. That settles your spirit down in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uh, catastrophic events, in the midst of things beyond your control. God is there. Number six. It is through the storms of life that God teaches us about ourselves. Sometimes you think you know you and you don't know yourself as well as you think you do. And so God has to sometimes give you a little test so that you can examine yourself, search yourself, and uh, see how uh, you work things out in this kind of situation. It is through the storms of life that God teaches us about ourselves. Even our Lord was not exempt from the storms of life. Now, if Jesus wasn't exempt from the, from the storms of life, what make you think you will get by this, uh, get, get by in life without a storm? Oh, why me? Why did I have to get sick? Why did my child have to die? Uh, why did I have to get cancer? Why did I have to have this wreck? Why did my house have to burn down? Why was I, my house flooded out when I just canceled the insurance? And on and on it goes. Listen, no one, absolutely no one gets through this life without storms. Not even the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me give you a biblical illustration to attest to this. In Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 40. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 40. The text says, here again, and a great windstorm arose. Now, Jesus knew it was going to arise. Nothing catches God by surprise. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat. My wife and I and others here, we've been on that same sea. 
so that it was already filling. Verse 38a says, but he was in the stern asleep on the pillar. That validates uh, the humanity of Christ. God slept. I mean, why was he asleep? He was asleep perhaps because he was tired. He'd been ministering to folk and he was serving folk and he had to get away. And, and, uh, and, and he, he was asleep. He was just kind of asleep. Jesus was sleeping hard. Those folk had wore him out. And let me tell you something. Sometimes ministry can be hard. Ministry can just wear you out. Just this week, I mean, I've been pretty busy. The priest last Sunday, a week before that, I was up at uh, uh, his hill lecturing there for a whole week and then come back. Then you got a funeral and then you, get, then you got to preach Wednesday night, then a funeral and then get ready for Sunday and then on and on it goes and all these meetings. You listen, ministry wear you out to the point that you can do nothing but go home, hopefully, and go to sleep. Now, I can't, I can't sleep as hard as my wife. My wife, I get, I get jealous of her. She... She can lay down in two minutes' time. She is absolutely gone. I, I'm just looking over there. I raise up off my pillow. Sometimes I think I'm talking to her and I'm talking to myself. I don't understand how she can sleep like that. And I'm sitting there tossing and turning and, and much stuff all on my mind and thinking about this and that and all that kind of stuff. And my wife just sleeps. She was just like Jesus. He just slept. He said, how? Jesus sleep. He was tired. Multitudes had worn him out. He had to get away. And it's a wonderful thing when those who are in ministry know how to take some respites and get away. Because ministry never stops. There's, there's always somebody else going in the hospital. There's always somebody else needing counseling. There's always another sermon to preach. There's always somebody else to bear. There's always somebody else to counsel. There's always somebody else to marry. And when you, did, when you finish this, it's time to start all over again. It never stops. You better know, if you don't learn how to take a break, you will break. I tell you what, the, the members of Maranatha know how to take a break. It can, dro- it can drop two drops and they already see in tornadoes. <laughs> they see tornado. Oh, it's a little tornado. And, and, and tomorrow they'll go to work in five inches of rain. Yeah, they, they, they'll take their breaks. You come back, they tell you, oh, I've been to Idaho, New Mexico. Uh, I've been to Florida and Jersey City. Yeah, yeah. And they, they back. That, that's why I, I, when, when I go, I just go. I don't make no announcements because I don't want you absent. On me. Now I don't want you absent. You you should never be absent because I'm absent. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not here, now you say, well, he must not come in next next week. The Lord says, say, I will be here next week, so don't be absent. Uh, but but you don't ever be absent because I'm I'm absent because I'm not your God. Now if you ever think that I'm your God, you finna get me killed. Because God will let me go so that you can see God for who he really is. God is on the throne. This is not Draper's church. This is the Lord's church. And after I'm long gone, the true church will carry on. That's what it's supposed to do. And that's why we believe in evangelism and discipleship. Until God calls us home, until he comes, the Lord comes for, for the church. Jesus was tired 
All the healing and the miracles and the people and the throngs. The man was wore out. He was stern in the city. He got him a pillar, laid his holy head down, and I believe he snored until he slobbered. Our Lord slept because he knew that he, he said, why did he sleep? He knew he was in absolute control. Perhaps the disciples should have slept with him. They said, well, he's, we all panicking about this storm. If God's sleep, maybe, you know, if, if this thing going down, it's going down with him. If he, if he sleep, let, y'all, let's take us a nap too. Why are we up here worrying when God is asleep? Our Lord slept because he knew that he was in absolute control. Have you ever, listen to me now, have you ever tossed and turned, tossed and turned, tossed and turned, 12 o'clock, you tossed and turned, 1 o'clock in the morning, you tossed and turned. There's a situation in your life that's beyond you, beyond your control, but and you tossing and you're turning, and medication can't even put you to sleep because the situation is beyond your control. Only to discover that God had already worked it out. Have you ever tossed and turned on God only to see God work it out in in a way that only he could do? And then you get ashamed of yourself for not trusting God? Do I have a witness here? My friend, your sleep will be so much sweeter when you take comfort in knowing that our Lord is in complete control. Whatever your circumstances are, uh, don't, don't forget that he's in control. The same God that slept through the storm in this passage was in control of the storm. The disciples forgot that God, that the God of all creation, the God that hung the moon and the God who hung the stars and the God who made the mountains and the rivers and the ocean, that same God that said, let there be and there was, was sleep on the pillar. If, if I'm with the God of all creation, why don't I sleep with him? You know what? The disciples forgot that the God of all creation was with them in the boat. We panic when we forget that Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse 38. We're still in that, Jesus, in that gospel passage. Uh, uh, verse 38b says, And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're going to die. You sleeping? (laughs) Verse 39, then he arose like only God can do and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. You know what? I just use my sanctified imagination. I don't even think he said it that strong. I think he just probably said it kind of, peace, be still. And everything was an instant selling calmness. No wind, no waves, no billows. Instant, instantaneous calmness. Did that put the disciples in shock? Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, 
And there was a, not just a little calm, there was a great calm. And you know what some of y'all need in your life right now? You need a great calm. You need a great calm. You need to underline that. You probably, see, y'all run over these little words and things like that, and God be trying to tell us something. Look at that thing. It says, there was a great calm. And some of you all, uh, your money is funny. Some, perhaps some of you are laid off. Some of you are going through difficulties, head wide, uh, difficulties, d- different situations. And what you need is not just a calm. You need a great calm. When you got a great calm, your husband won't disturb your spirit. <laughs> when you have a great calm, your children, even though they go AWOL, you don't lose it. When you go through a great calm, even when you're rejected, you can have a heightened sense of God's peace. And that's not just a kind of calm. As a matter of fact, your great calm in the midst of calamities becomes a tremendous source of testimony to others who are watching you in your Category 5 storm. Are y'all hanging with me? A great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? And some of you all, y'all living in fear. You know, you, 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 flunk, you know when you flunk the storm test, you have to retest. And you don't want to take another one of God's tests. So you need to pass the one you're in. And some of you all, you're so fearful. You know, the, the, the border crisis and the health crisis and the this crisis and the that crisis and the measles crisis and the moral crisis and the, and the opium crisis. And we can just go from crisis to crisis and then the planes are falling out the sky and, and then we don't know what's going on with this type of plane. And now, now you won't fly anywhere. You just you, 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 you won't drive because of a, 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 somebody on the other side could be driving under the influence. And sometimes some of y'all are under influence of your cell phone. You, you know, that's that, that, that's an influence right there. You're not drunk on wine. You, you drunk on technology. And uh, you need a great calm, a great calm. This technology have y'all all worked up, messed up. You can't think you have you said you lose your mind when you five minutes without your phone. A great calm. But verse 40 He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Trials come into our lives to strengthen us spiritually. You need to write that down. They come into our lives to strengthen us spiritually. You are not as strong as you think you are, and God wants you spiritually stronger. And you get get spiritually stronger through the word of God, through walking in the spirit of God, through praying to God, through worshiping God, the word of God. All of these things make us strong, including trials from the Lord, all of which make us stronger spiritually. You know what trials do? They build our character. It refines us. It purges us. It sifts. The, the, the dross and the unwanted residue off of us. It's a, there's a purpose. 
And then finally, storms reveal our level of faith. Sometimes you think you're strong and you got it together. and You God in everybody else's life. You know what you ought to do. You're going to tell everybody else what, what, what you think. If they don't do, if they don't walk by your drum beat, you all messed up because they're not doing what you think they ought to do. Stop being everybody's boss. As a matter of fact, stop being so bossy and turn folk over to Jesus. At the end of the day, all believers and even unbelievers, uh, God's in control. Amen. So, so sometimes God reveals our level of faith. And he wants to graduate us spiritually to the next level. And he does that through the calamities of life, the trials of life, the issues of life, the storms of life. But be it known to you today that whatever God brings you through, he's uh, uh, brings into your life. He's able to keep you in the midst of it until the work on you is done. And all God's children said. And Father, we thank you for this message. I have so many more insights I could have gone to, but I'll stop right there. Because Lord, if we can just take what we have heard and internalize it, you can do great things with us, to us, and through us. Lord, forgive us of being so stressed and failing to realize that you are in complete control. The same God who created that great fish, the same God who created the worm, the plant, the same God that created the mountains and the rivers and the stars and the moon and the sun is able to rescue us, to rest us, and to even repurpose us amidst the storms of life. Help us to rest in you. Help us to know how much to put on our plate. Sometimes we create our own storms because we, we take on more than, than you have ordained for us. We yield to the demands of people. We try to please people to our own detriment. Help us not to be so quick to rescue folk, but let them be dealt with by you, realizing that you know the beginning and the end of their own personal chastening. Help us not to be fearful in a nation that's full of turmoil, politically, technologically, academically, morally, God, so much addictions, so much pain and heartaches and slave trafficking, deception, evil, and pride, and arrogance. Oh, God, help us not to fear what the media is saying and fear what the politicians are saying and fear one disaster after another on the news. Help us to let the good news transcend the regular news so that our mind can be rich. There's so much in this passage. (laughs) 
I got messages yet to be preached in these four little chapters. So rich, perhaps things we never thought of before. God even bring us back next week to hear the next segment, Lord willing. God, you're trying to teach us. Open up our eyes that we would hear, eyes that we would see. Open up our ears that we would hear. Help us not to have a Jonah syndrome. Help us not to be in a predicament like Jonah before we can come to our senses. Help us not to have to wallow in the pig pen like the prodigal son before we come to ourselves. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would humble us, that you would use us to come to you now. Move us. Someone in here does not have a church home. Someone is lonely. Some, someone been doing it their way. Someone have been reading their Bible, praying. Don't even know when the last time they've been to Sunday school. Don't even know the last time they've been to a midweek worship celebration. It's just about their job, their job, money, pleasure, stuff. Help us to have an inner longing to come near the Savior, to know the Savior. Help us to repent lest we be cast out of your sight. In Jesus' name, and all God's children say it. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.